This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports Night is right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback Jake Heaps here with you for the next hour. And before the break, we ask the question, which would you rather have? Which scenario are you feeling more? Would you rather? Would you rather have Frank Clark and the draft hall the Seahawks were going to have before making the trade that sent Clark to the Chiefs? So about four picks, maybe five, maybe six, depending on the wheeling and dealing that John Schneider could have done during the draft. Or would you rather have Ziggy Ansa plus the 11 that the Seahawks ended up making in the draft? Well, the Coors Light text line is there for you, 710-710. Which scenario would you rather have? And looking up and down this, this text line right now, Jake, I'm looking at a lot of Ziggy answers. I'm looking at a lot of people. Oh, very yeah. okay with what the Seahawks have right now. The four two five says, "Give me Ziggy in the picks with the injury rate and the number of players you cycle through in the NFL. Depth is key." Uh, text from the two hundred six eleven and Ziggy, no doubt, comes with the cap flexibility. Russell Wilson is signed. Bobby and Jaron Reed signed next. Sign me up. I'm a future sports GM. So the two hundred six coming for John Schneider's job right there. Ooh, I don't okay. know. I don't know how you feel about that, but <laughs> I like the fire that you're bringing tonight. Two hundred six, Jake. When presented with the two scenarios, you've got Frank Clark, a guy who is at the top of his profession right now, or at least the very or near the very top. He's young, just got that second deal yep. for over a hundred million dollars, sixty-five of it guaranteed. And then, you know, you you know what you're getting with him. There are very little injury concern very little injury concerns with him. But right now, you wonder just is that what the Seahawks would that have been the best scenario for the Seahawks? And I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be at all. I, I like yeah. what they've got right now in Ansa and also the eleven picks. You with that eleven picks comes LJ Collier and his tremendous upside that could very well blossom into being, you know, the next great member of this defensive line. And as we've seen here in Seattle, D-line guys, they thrive in this system. Yep, they sure do. And, and look, uh, there's a contrarian out there, 206. Uh, let's see, where was he? 206, again, we trade a superstar for an injured has-been. Really? Ah, I wouldn't go for, I wouldn't quite go as far as injured has-been. This guy is a really productive player when he's on the field. Now, injury-ridden? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and is coming off a pretty significant injury. Uh, for him, but looks all signs look to him being able to get on the field and play right away for the Seahawks. So that's not too concerning for me. In this situation, I would say that I definitely am favored of this situation right now. Frank Clark and his contract simply got too high for the Seahawks. They wanted to sign him, but they wanted to keep it around the $18, $19 million range and with DeMarcus Lawrence's contract unfolding the way it did and Frank wanting more than that, it just simply got too high. And now in that scenario, you are absolutely strapped for cash and flexibility on your roster uh, if you're trying to sign your four cornerstones in Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, Frank Clark, and Jaron Reed. That, that is a, a hard-pressed situation. 
Now, you also you trade Frank Clark. You're able to accumulate 11 draft picks, and it looks like they've gotten 11 really good football players. Uh, the majority of those draft picks, I firmly believe, are going to pan out in a positive way for them uh, with contributors. You also look at the flexibility of where they are at in cap space, adding more presence, more veteran free agent presence, like a Ziggy Ansah who can replace the production of Frank Clark potentially, and then adding a few more key pieces on the defensive tackle position and maybe one more prove-it deal uh, as an edge rusher. The other side of it as well is you look at it, a second-round pick for next year, Curtis, uh, and, and that's another thing that you you know you tend to forget about as well out of this whole deal. So I I really love what they have been able to do with their roster since Frank Clark has departed. I would have loved to have seen Frank Clark still on this roster, but you deal with the reality of a salary cap, and unfortunately, someone in this scenario had to go, and it was Frank Clark, and they were able to get a tremendous value in return for him, and now you keep. The keystones of your offense in Russell Wilson and the keystone in your defense in Bobby Wagner and now have the ability to sign Jaron Reed. And now you have a potentially great depth on that defensive line where you can accumulate pressures and sacks from a lot of different places. I love that you brought up the second second round pick, the one that they acquired from Kansas City in the 2020 draft. Next year, the Seahawks will make, as it stands right now, they will make their first round pick and then have two second round picks just as they did a couple weeks ago in the draft. In back-to-back years, you are adding six guys in the first two rounds, which is a tremendous amount of talent being injected into this organization because there were so many years that went by where the Seahawks would make you know, maybe one pick in the first two rounds, and they, they really hung their hat on what they would do in day two and day three of the draft. Right. Whereas now I think they, they look at it and they're like, yo, the most talented guys are going to be in the first two rounds. Like that's just as 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 history has shown us, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And for the Seahawks to now put an emphasis on that as well as like emphasis on special teams, areas in which that they've kind of not ignored, but just kind of put band aids on and hoped that they would just kind of fix themselves. Now the Seahawks are really showing a commitment to building in a way that I think today's NFL, that is conducive to today's NFL. Absolutely. You are looking at a situation where a franchise like the Seahawks have the ability to have a long, uh, sustained success just like the Patriots have had. Now, they're in the middle of this thing right now. They still have a lot to catch up to even come close to the Patriots, but that's the type of run that they are potentially on right now with Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and John Schneider. This roster, as it shapes up right now, has the ability to make a deep run. It relies on development from the, their young guys and their second, third-year guys and their rookie class, but if you can add a couple key or hit on a couple free agent signings here that they are acquiring, like Ziggy Ansa and probably two more coming down the pipe, you have an opportunity here, and you are creating a lot of of competition, a lot of competition, and genuine competition. And you look at next year, going into next year, they have tons of flexibility with 10 draft picks as of right now, and you have no idea how they're able, how they're going to maneuver that moving forward, not to mention, Curtis, a ton of cap space going into 2020 and 2021. So the way that this run is shaping up for the Seahawks is very, very promising. Absolutely, and I think you look at... The potential to add to this defensive line next year because you've got 
Ansa on a one-year deal, five and a half million dollars guaranteed, could make upwards of thirteen million. But there's no guarantee that he comes back next year. Whereas at the Seahawks, with their three picks in the first two rounds of next year's draft, you add a second guy on that defensive line to pair with LJ Collier on a rookie deal. All of a sudden now, if you hit on one of those guys and he becomes a superstar, and the other one just becomes a decent starter in the NFL, like you're getting tremendous value out of those first round picks because we've seen in years past, especially like when the Seahawks were in their heyday in 2012 and 2013, 2014, they were able to get so much value out of those guys who were on their rookie deals that they were able to go out and not worry about how much money they were spending in free agency because you could give a guy a big deal and it wasn't going to hurt your bottom line. Correct. Uh, The other side, when you make the argument about Frank Clark, okay, I'll just try and make an argument for Frank Clark. Frank Clark right now has so much left in the tank for him if he can continue to keep working hard and stay focused. And that's a big question for him, not saying that he can't do it or that the likelihood is that he won't, but that's a concern about him. When you get that kind of money, it it can change you. And, And for Frank, if he can continue to have that fire and that intensity about him, he's 26 years old and is just tapping into his best stuff. He has his best years ahead of him in terms of a pass rusher. He was just finding his way into becoming a game wrecker and can build off of that. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you should be excited about the potential of Frank Clark. Now with four picks, you would imagine that they would probably, the Seahawks would draft down and could could potentially get up to six, seven at best uh, picks. So let's say six picks. They would have to be very, very specific with their needs and their picks uh, going into that, and that could mean that could mean a good thing. The only thing that they really couldn't address is maybe the special teams needs that they went after because they were able to have the eleven picks. So uh, you just don't know what those six picks would have looked like if it would have made them more focused going into that uh, into this draft. So you may have had an extremely dominant player for years to come in Frank Clark and a draft mentality for the Seahawks with six picks to go after the very specific needs. Don't worry about trading back too much, but go after the best available that's that's there. So, you know, you just don't know. But this, the simple reality is is that 11 picks, Ziggy Ansah, and more flexibility gives you opportunities to uh, make a competitive roster and shape a roster that you feel confident that can make it to a Super Bowl. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, the draft process gets very, very murky. You don't quite know what information to believe. Mike Leach, head coach of the Washington State Cougars, he's got something to say about it, and he's not a fan of some of the scouts that he came into contact with (laughs) this last scouting season. So that's coming up next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Make sure you're getting those texts in to the Coors Light text line all night long here on Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up at 845, we're going to answer all of your questions in Ask Us Anything. So make sure you're texting the Coors Light text line there. That's coming up at 845. Ask Us Anything. That's your job. Our job will be to answer the best questions we see on the text line that's coming up in about oh, 25 minutes from now. 
But, uh, yeah, the big story of the day, Ziggy on to, to the Seattle Seahawks. A one-year deal, Adam Schefter reporting that the contract is going to be $5.5 million guaranteed with incentives that could take it all the way up to $13 million this season. Uh, so a very favorable deal in for the Seahawks in that if Ansa does get injured along the way, it's just a drop in the bucket to uh, the overall thing that's going on with the Seahawks. So a uh, very, very favorable move for the Seahawks today, bringing in Ziggy Ansa. But um, we talked a little bit before the break, uh, Jacobs and myself here on Seattle Sports Tonight. Mike Leach, who he's one of the harder people <laughs> to like put a finger on yes. in the college football world. We talked unique human being. Exactly. We talked about that ranking list that CBS Sports put out today of the top twenty five college football head coaches. He came in at number twenty. Chris Peterson at number three behind Dabo and Nick Saban. Uh, but Mike Leach was on the NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano. Yesterday, and he was asked about and by and by the way, I, him at number twenty, I think that it's kind of a low mark for Mike Leach in terms of what he's been able to do at Texas Tech and now at Washington State. I mean, he has been able to produce consistent winners wherever he has gone and made Washington State into a legitimate program. Now you could you could point out uh, you know their rivalry between UW and all that and 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 not being able to get over the hump. But making Washington State what they are right now versus what they have been in the past, they are an absolute uh, surefire program that is always going to be there. That's always going to be competitive, and and you can't. That hasn't been the case for Washington State. So I, I think that he's done. A, when we talk about what have you done with what you've been given and mm-hmm. what you've been brought into, man, Mike Leach to me is certainly up there. It's what I wonder. Like, let's let's get in the wayback machine. 16, 17-year-old Jay Keeps, zit-faced and all, back in the day. <laughs> uh, let's say Mike Leach was the Cougs head coach at that time, which I believe it was Paul Wolf when you were getting recruited. Yes. If Mike Leach was the head coach at Wazoo at that time, that may have piqued your interest a little bit. Absolutely it would have because, I mean, for me, I came from a spread offense, right, a spread system. And uh, who wouldn't love to throw the ball as much as they as much as they do, and as effective as Mike Leach is? He's a unique human being, but from from a quarterback perspective, uh, he he lets you run the system, and and that's the that's the fun part about it. He's had the gunslinger and a Connor Holiday. He's had the the guy who's a little bit more meticulous in Luke Luke Falk, and then he's had the guy who's been the mix of the two with Gardner Minshew who's the best guy he's had to run that system, in my opinion, ever. And and so I think uh, it would have been an extremely enticing thing uh, and it's for any quarterback right now. And he just pulled off a four-star recruit, um, a really good player from Texas, uh, to come to, to Washington State. So I, I think that Washington State, from a quarterback perspective, is becoming more and more attractive. Now, with the success that Mike Leach has had at quarterbacks, uh, or had with quarterbacks, NFL scouts continue to discount what Mike Leach has accomplished at the college level, and his quarterbacks, for whatever reason, they get downgraded simply by being in that system. Andrew Siciliano of the NFL Network asked Mike Leach about that because his latest quarterback, Gardner Minshew, got picked by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fourth round. Here is what Leach had to say about the whole NFL scouting process. You know, the funny thing is... uh 
people would call me about him and they, you know, how's his arm? Well, his arm's good. Is he accurate? I mean, and I'm wondering if they're real scouts when they start asking me if he's accurate. And then, you know, how strong is his arm? And again, it's running through my mind. You know, did you really watch any film? And then, um, you know, his pocket presence and, you know, he's got great pocket presence. That's what he probably does best is he doesn't take negative plays. But then, they would say, how tall is he? And then, uh, and then, you know, like, you know, they're all set for that. And then how tall is he? I'd say, well, he's exactly as tall as the all-time leading passer in the history of the NFL, which was Drew Brees. And so then there's this long, long, long pause, just really long, you know, because, you know, you know, scouts, you know, have the ability to scrutinize and perceive uh, life at a much higher level than, uh, you or I and mere mortals can. And so then, um, I don't know, as they sifted through it, they decided he belonged on a team, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, Mike Leach, just a classic soundbite from him right there. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and and you, you look at it and you go, okay, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and name something that was wrong that he said there. there. There was nothing wrong that he said there. I mean, when you when you watch the tape of him, of Gardner Minshew, all those questions were answered in that year. And so when you're calling Mike Leach and asking those types of questions, I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And and I think with Leach, that's kind of how he's feeling in that moment. Now, if you want to ask about uh, do you think that his his play can translate into the NFL, uh, those types of questions, he's still going to look at you like you're nuts. But to me, there's more legitimate concerns uh, arm strength-wise and, and his, his ability to – uh, or his overall body of work. Uh, he had one strong year with Washington State, and man, was it an amazing ride, an amazing season. But why wasn't he able to be that type of player at East Carolina and all the, and all those other places that he was at? Um, but this kid has had a tremendous journey, and a lot of guys would fold in, in, in those circumstances. I was a journeyman quarterback in college football, and my senior year did not go the way I wanted it to when I transferred to the University of Miami. It's an extremely hard situation and Gardner Minshew not only went there and was able to perform well but he was beloved by his teammates he was beloved by the community and was able to connect in such a way that it took over college football and and so that's a very dynamic kid uh and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars uh you know taking a flyer on him late in in the draft I think is a really really smart move now why do you think then that leech coach quarterbacks get knocked when his principles are being taught in the NFL and also among some of the best offenses in college football. Lincoln Riley comes from that tree of guys who learned from Mike Leach. Because he's not sexy, Curtis. Yeah. He's not Lincoln Riley who's running you know different variations of what they're doing in terms of the air raid system. He's not Cliff Kingsbury. He doesn't have, he's not 30 with the great looks. Okay, You can't say that about Mike Leach. Uh, I think Mike Leach is a creature of habit and who he is, and he's never going to change. He's a unique guy, and so you kind of look at him and, and see him more as an outsider than more than as an innovator. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. Um, you know, his air raid system absolutely belongs. It's absolutely adapted and been evolved, and has been uh, and it has taken shape more and more in not only college football, but it's worked its way into the NFL. You're going to potentially see in the NFL, Curtis, the first true air raid system in, 
in the NFL with Kyler Murray and going all in. And that's going to be exciting to watch one way or the other to see if it is successful or if it fails. But I think Mike Leach deserves a lot more credit than he necessarily gets. And for his ability to develop quarterbacks, I think is extremely high. And when you talk about Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley, man, they have nothing but amazing things to say about him. Yeah, and and I mean, Mike Leach, maybe the influx of air raid principles and maybe the influx of quarterbacks that have played in those kinds of systems in college that get picked in the first couple rounds in the draft. Obviously, Kyler Murray on this last draft. The couple years before that, Patrick Mahomes, who played under Kingsbury at Texas Tech. And yeah, the Texas Tech teams didn't win a whole lot when Mahomes was there, but he still put up video game numbers and has a generational arm strength that you know we haven't seen since maybe like Michael Vick back in 2000, 2001. Um, maybe this means that there will be a legitimacy of quarterbacks at Washington State now. Maybe this means that Mike Leach's system can be replicated at the NFL level because, I mean, you look at the success that he's had at the college game, I mean – to, you can't say that the air raid system doesn't work because right. Leach has produced wherever he's gone, and he's produced in locations that are not conducive to winning atmospheres. Lubbock, Texas, is very much an outpost town in that large state. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's the second biggest state in, in the entire country. And I mean, when you're talking about an outpost in that city, or not in that in that state, that is far out there. And Pullman, Washington, yeah, Cougs love it. But it is it is not near a whole lot of places, and you gotta you gotta drive way out there to get there. Uh, and Leach has still had success at both of those cities. You can listen to Seattle Sports at night via the Seven Ten Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up next, we're going back to college here. Big if true today. Some big news coming out of the federal world, the FBI, with. Christian Dawkins, the famed AAU runner, he was found guilty on a couple more charges today, but there was a very interesting nugget that came out in the court session today, him saying that he had never had contact with Sean Miller, which kind of throws a wrench into everything that we've heard over the last couple of years. We talked that next. Curtis Rogers, Jay Keep, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. A lot of good texts coming in on the Coors Light text line. Make sure you're getting those in because we answer any and every question. Well, not every question, but make sure you're asking us any and every question because we're going to answer them. We're going to do our best at 845 when you ask us anything that's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps with you on Seattle Sports at night. Big news of the night being Ziggy Ansa. He is now a he's going to be a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, tomorrow is when he is expected to sign his contract with the Seahawks organization. A $5.5 million guaranteed contract uh, for one season with performance bonuses up to $13 million. So, so good on so many levels. Absolutely. So many levels, Curtis. Absolutely. Do you I mean, think he's going to fly in on a private plane? Do you think he's going to fly commercial? Like a pontoon Is he going to fly plane? coach? Uh, I, I would hope he's first class. Or I hope 
that the Seahawks send like a private player. I would out think for so. Him. I mean, he's six seven. He's a big guy, right? Yeah. Like he would have to have two seats. I would think if he was flying coach. I mean. Uh, I I would think that he's either first class, private plane. I mean, they they probably could afford the private plane. Uh, I wonder what time he's going to get here in the morning. And uh, if that information ever got out, how many people would be out there? Would I be out there? I don't know. I'm not saying I would, but I I might. I would maybe. Uh, I'm well, just, you got to show. I'm to so excited, Curtis. You are. You are hyped, Jake. When the news came down, Jake was in the control room here. Just psyching himself up for for eight o'clock when we hit the air tonight. Just ready to go, man. ready to get after it, and uh, you can hear it in his voice tonight, man. And and you'll be able to hear it tomorrow morning too when you, you're filling in on Brock and Saul. I can't wait to talk about this right up up here. What we got on the docket for you because this is an interesting conversation. It is. So today in the college basketball world, the long saga of the FBI investigation into a, a good number of programs, most notably Arizona, which is uh, very relevant to me because, well, that's my alma mater. That, that's, that's <laughs> it's where... relevant to me, too, because it affects my Kansas Jayhawks. It does. And, and that could roll into it as well. So this is very important to Curtis and I because we don't want to see – our alma maters, uh, for me, I've got three alma maters, yeah. but for you, you got one. Yeah. You got Arizona, and I've got my Kansas Jayhawks. Man, uh, so hopefully it's good news for you, which leads to good news for me. Which leads us to tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True comes to us from the court steps in New York City. AAU runner Christian Dawkins found guilty on two of six counts today, conspiracy to commit fraud and uh, also fraud as well. But last February, Mark Schlebaugh, ESPN writer, came out with a report that Sean Miller was on a wiretap discussing payments with Christian Dawkins of $100,000 to secure DeAndre Ayton's recruitment to Arizona. That was the report that ESPN had put out there. Sean Miller denied it vehemently. He had a press conference a couple days after that report came out and said that he had never spoken with Christian Dawkins, and especially not about this matter, especially not about paying a player. He was vehement about it. He just flat-out denied it. The year went on, Arizona's recruiting class, they all disbanded. Arizona's season was in the toilet right before it even began because they just they didn't have really any players to fill out their roster. So they were going with grad transfers. They were going with guys who were at the end of their bench and they had to put it all together that way with sort of, you know, gum and paper clips and whatnot. A whole year transpires or transpires. Everybody throwing you know, sticks and stones at Sean Miller about this, saying, you know, oh, you were definitely on a wiretap. Like, how could you flat out deny it? Everything points to you being on this. Well, Christian Dawkins, who was found guilty today of two counts, on the court steps following the the guilty verdict being handed down, Dawkins spoke with the media. And when asked by reporters after receiving his guilty verdict if he ever spoke with Sean Miller, Christian Dawkins said this. He said, quote, I wasn't there. I just got out of a criminal court case for the last two months. I had no involvement with DeAndre Ayton. That's a fact. 
So the whole ESPN report, that's something I couldn't say is accurate because I never had conversations about delivering DeAndre Ayton to Arizona for Sean Miller. Didn't happen. End quote. Whoa. Mm, Interesting. You've, you've, You've got both parties involved in this ESPN report that came out in February of 2018 saying that Sean Miller was on a phone with Christian Dawkins and it was being wiretapped. Both parties, Dawkins and Miller, have said that that phone call did not happen. If both people who are on this alleged wiretap says it doesn't happen or never happened, I'm going to believe them. You are? I am. Those are two motivated people to to try and dispel the rumor, though, Curtis. I think Christian Dawkins has nothing to lose now because he knows he's going to jail. That's true. That's true. And... I mean, if he if he wanted to say something, then yeah, he would say it, but he didn't. He didn't. You're right, and and I think it's something that, to take into consideration. I mean, when when he uh, when he initially came out, with Sean Miller initially came out in that re- in interview and and had his press conference and and vehemently denied being on that phone call. It did not look good. All signs did not look good, and it looked like a guy who was trying to save his his you know what uh, from you know getting further implicated into something and the program uh, totally tanking from that point in time. But you're right, Arizona has greatly suffered because of this cra- this big cloud looming over them with the FBI investigation, and now with Dawkins coming out and, and backing Sean Miller up. With a guy who, to me, seems like he's had a lot of information that he could easily say or that has who has been cooperating with the police, it's kind of interesting to see that he would come out and outright dispel what was going on. And, and when you look at his uh, situation, it, it was, yes, there were players involved, but it had more to do with coaches being bribed to get those players to sign with those agencies. And and so it's an interesting saga that's going on. Now, I believe that uh, those two guys are telling the truth in this situation. And now the, the, the answer is, how soon can Sean Miller, how soon can this whole thing disappear? How yeah. soon can he be, uh, you know, cleared of his name so that Arizona can continue on and they can get back to, you know, recruiting the and landing the best talent and getting back to you know being at the top uh, of of the Pac-12 and and one of the best programs around the country. Well, unbelievably, it hasn't impacted their recruiting a whole lot because Arizona's pulling in a top three class in this year's in the class of 2019. They've got two top 20 prospects signed for this upcoming season. Letters and letters of intent have been signed, sealed, and delivered. These guys are going to enroll in college here from March of 2018. Uh, here is Sean Miller's statement denying the allegations that ESPN had way back when, when this first story came out. I have never paid a recruiter prospect or their family or representative to come to Arizona. I never have and I never will. I have never arranged or directed payment or any improper benefits to a recruit or prospect or their family or representative, and I never will. I also understand that there is an ongoing federal investigation, and because of this, I cannot do anything that might compromise the integrity of this investigation. And I think that was one thing that held Miller back in all of this over the last year and a half, 
is that the the federal investigation was ongoing. So when that's going on, you can't say anything right. because then you compromise all that's going on in the investigation. Now, this doesn't make Arizona immune from an NCAA investigation, which we found out a couple days ago is, in fact, going on with not just the Wildcats, but also Auburn and USC and, and Kansas, your Jayhawks, yep. and, and all these programs that have been implicated. Oklahoma State is another one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA does hand out punishments, if they do at all, because as it turns out in this in this case, a lot of these prospects that were getting the quote-unquote bags, a lot of them had no idea that this was going on in the background. Right. And and that's what at least they claim, or they have the ability to say, hey, I don't care how you get it done, assistant coaches, boosters, I don't care how you get it done, just get it done and I don't want to know about it, right? And, and I think that that's another uh, way that these college coaches on the football side of things, on the baseball side of things, on the basketball side of things, just in recruiting in general, that's how you can separate yourself. And so uh, you don't know if that's going on as well in, the, in, in these situations. To me, this is just another reason why in basketball, uh, you talk about amateurism. To me, it's a joke. To me, it, oh, there, yeah. there, there is a longstanding relationship of basketball players in general getting recruited, getting uh, courted by agents in, in a completely different way than college football right out of the gate in high school. And to sit there and say they've got to come and play one year of college basketball and not expect them to have everything lined up from a shoe deal to an agent to all those things, you're out of your mind. You're out of your skull. And to me, it should it should be up to the player whether they want to come out from, from high school or whether they want to enjoy the college experience. And now you're going to eliminate more of those behind-the-deal, behind-the-scenes, backdoor deals with agents, shoe companies, all those things. And, and so right now you're just you're perpetuating a, an inevitable situation right now. Coming up next, get your text questions in. Coors Light text line is there for you, 710. Get your Ziggy Ansah questions in because we've got time. We've got time to answer them. Also, just get some fun questions in there as well. Uh, we answered those next in Ask Us Anything to wrap it up here on this Wednesday night. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coors Light text line from the 206. Call me high and delusional for going out on this limb. That's, uh, I'm saying, you know what? I will, I'd rather be on this limb and, <laughs> and get the truth out there then continue to walk around as a sheep and follow the herd. I'm just saying. That's what I'm talking about, there Curtis. That's what I'm talking about. Stand alone, baby. <laughs> there we go. But uh, as we do each and every night here on Seattle Sports at Night, we uh, wrap up the final segment with a round of Ask Us Anything, and that means it's your turn on the Coors Light text line to get your questions in to us. And uh, what are we seeing here on the Coors Light text line? Uh, we got... From the 5-3-0, would you rather take a 100-mile-per-hour fastball off the back or take a hit in the NFL? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I've Ugh. taken a hit in the NFL, uh, and I would rather take that over a 100-mile-an-hour fastball on the back. Like, that, to me, that ain't going to feel good. 
And a hit in the NFL, that's not going to feel good. But you got pads on, and, and you can get up from after, after that. As long as you don't get hit in the head and you got a concussion, I'd rather take that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I've gotten hit with baseballs like at 75 and 80 miles an hour, and that yeah. really hurts. Yeah. It stings for a little bit, and then... Uh, it's over with. It's over with. Okay. Whereas I feel like the hit in the NFL that that could really ring your bell it and could. stick with you. It, it lasts a long time. Like I've broken a rib, you know, from a hit. Like I, I, there's things that could go wrong. But if you're talking about a hit, like a good clean hit where they smack you and knock knock you down, and it's a big hit, but uh, it's clean, you can pop back up from those. You could get up. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not anywhere near the shape you're in. Jake. Oh come on, so Curtis! I'm gonna. I'm taking the fastball. I'm not gonna like it. Okay. I'm not gonna be like Tom Wassel and like challenge people to Tom Wassel. Yeah, Tom thinks he can, or he used to think he could take 96 miles an hour off of his forearm. Oh my! Because last gosh. year James Paxton did that in a game, and he had to leave the game. Uh, so is, is I got this visual of Tom Wassel trying to do. Yeah, and Happy Gilmore, when, when he comes into the batting cage, he's got 364 more days till hockey practice. And he's sitting in the batting cage just taking him off the yeah. chest. Yeah. I visualize Tom Wassel being the kid that steps in after him to take that shot and gets knocked out. That's what I think Tom Wassel would be like <laughs> in, that kid, in that situation. Uh, let's see here. From the 5-3-0, or actually let's go with uh, from the 4-2-5. What's something that was initially fun but very quickly got annoying? In parentheses, don't say Stacy. We have wild peacocks in our neighborhood that definitely <laughs> qualify. We would never say Stacy. We hold it down for her. <laughs> well, we could Stacey, say Stacy. Stacy's the kind of person, though, that like she thinks she's annoying people when she's not at all. Right. Like she's she's very in her head. Pleasant to be around. Yeah. yeah. She's in her head a lot. Exactly. Like, she is definitely in her head. And we like, have to, you know, eh, we have eh. to encourage her and be like, no, right. you're you're fine. You're good. You're good. That's right. Uh what's something that was initially very fun but quickly got annoying? Mm. I mean, there's like songs out there that you think, oh, this is a cool, this is a cool beat, and then you hear it over and over and over again, and it's right. like, okay, that's I, true. Don't, I don't need this ever again, but then it comes back around. Uh, like, that's what she said. Oh, uh, those that jokes? jokes, yeah. I mean, they're funny, if you know, for for like a for a second, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they get overplayed way too much, and and I hear that a lot. Now I don't think it's funny. <laughs> uh, let's see here. From the let's see here, we've got more questions on the Coors Light text line from the two hundred six. Listen to you guys while I do the dishes. Would you rather live without a microwave or a dishwasher? Ooh, a dishwasher. You can wash those by hand. Yeah, I mean, come on, don't be lazy. Like that's yeah. what I, that's what we do. We got a dishwasher every now and then, but we can clean our dishes hand. Why? Right? Mm-hmm. I think a microwave is very very necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say live without a dishwasher. Agreed. Because microwave sometimes you just need to heat that food up real quick. Yeah, you do. It's it's necessary. You can't build a fire and uh, and try and get the stove no. out or what. It, it, microwave is very very convenient. It is. Dishwasher is as well, but you could live with that. You get so you get a good scrubber that can get it off real fast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean you're 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 into it. You're you're good. Absolutely. Also uh, a good stress reliever, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. From the four two five, it says, name a college football player that you loved growing up. 
thought was guaranteed to produce in the NFL, mm. and for whatever reason, it fell apart. I'm going to say Reggie Bush. Oh, he took mine. Yeah. Dog. Oh, man. Yeah. He was so fun to watch in college. Amazing. Amazing. You just thought he was going to take the NFL by storm. And honestly, yeah. when you look at his career, he actually had a successful NFL career, just not in the game-changing way that you were hoping that he would have, and his career was ultimately cut short. But he was a really good receiving tight or receiving running back in the NFL. Um, gosh, that's a great question. That's a great question. There are so many names that could go on and on. Um, 206 says Aaron Curry. Aaron Curry. Yeah. Well, that hits yeah. home for Seahawks fans, no doubt. Yeah. Jeez. He was deemed the safest pick in that draft. He was. Of, of all the picks in that sure first fire. round. Yeah. And he did not produce at all. Uh, let's see here. From the 253, what's your favorite comfort movie? Mine is Back to the Future. That's a great one. Good mm. call. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future. That's that's always a good one. Stay with the classics, right? I mean, I think Top Gun's a great one. Um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, I, I always like the Avenger. The, the the Avenger movies are great for me. I love the Marvel movies. Anytime I'm like on an airplane, that's one of my go tos. Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big a uh, uh, Pixar guy. Yo, so yeah. I, I love the Disney movies; those are great. Um, and uh, anytime I go to the dentist's office, Bridgeport Dental Arts. Shout out to Bridgeport Dental Arts, by the way. They got they they hook you up on nitrous, free nitrous when you're getting your teeth cleaned or whatever. And they also have the movies there, and uh, it's the greatest thing in the world because I'm either watching you know one of the Marvel movies or I'm watching a Disney movie. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah, you can't go wrong with popping on a Disney movie just when you're feeling like you need to pass a couple of Ooh, Red October. Oh, yeah, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. My mom used to put on Twister, like, literally almost every day. Really? And just fall asleep to it. It was I loved the movie Twister. It was a great movie, but literally it was the best thing to, to fall asleep to because you get the wind noises and act oh, like a yeah, sound yeah. machine, right? It's a good one. Uh, one movie that's become sort of that comfort movie for me it's gonna sound weird, but it's uh, Creed. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love that movie. Comfort oh, my movie. Goodness. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like if I need to get psyched up, it was such a good movie. Ryan Coogler directing, Michael B. Jordan. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't go wrong with I, that I combination. Hear, I hear you on that. That's a great movie. Right there. Eight one three says they haven't lived with a microwave since two thousand and eight. I mean, okay. Like, what? Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, like, but. Man, I would not want to do that. Jeez. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Us being former college kids, like, the microwave is essential. Uh, absolutely. It was essential for me this morning. I had I had uh, my wife who needed uh, some toast. Uh, Jackson wanted some toast this morning. It got into the, uh, uh, the toaster, and then we didn't have any butter. Had it in the fridge. I had to heat that thing up so it wasn't just absolute nightmare trying to spread it on the on the toast so put it in the microwave real quick like it comes in handy you don't know when you're going to need it it's there for you in an instant just like we are here That's on right. Seattle Sports at night always speaking of always Jake's going to be on Brock and Salk tomorrow so let's go we're putting you to bed we're waking up with you 
We're always with you. That's right. And we will be back tomorrow night. Stacy Ross tagging in for Jake Heaps as he's on with Brock and Sox. So make sure you're tuning in. 7 a.m. Also make sure you're tuning in. Following the Mariners postgame show for more Ziggy Ansa reaction. I'm sure the morning show is going to be all about Ziggy and the newest member of the Seattle Seahawks organization. A lot of good stuff tonight, so make sure you're tuning in all day tomorrow to 710 ESPN Seattle. For the quarterback, Jake Heaps, I'm Curtis Rogers. That's going to do it for us here on this Wednesday right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.